Good morning. How's everybody doing? Sounded really country. I apologize for that. You don't preach for two weeks and you start talking weird. Uh, my name is Heath. I'm the lead pastor here at Reach, and I'm excited that you're here this morning. Um, I wanted to do a little business for you. We, we typically try to do this in January. It is now February, and we haven't done this, but we like to give guy, you, know, you guys an idea of what your money goes to if you give to Reach, and just to kind of give you an overview of that, I'm going to give you that before we start. So in 2018, uh, we took in, collected $230,000 in tithes and offerings. Thank you very much. Uh, very generous church. Uh, out of that, we paid $140,000 in operational expenses. That goes from everything from rent to new equipment to um, buying curriculum for our kids' ministry to salaries and all that other stuff, um, just the general day-to-day operations. Um, we gave away $23,000 of that to local and foreign missions. Uh, a good chunk of that was towards uh, hurricane relief that went out during that uh, plus, we put $15,000 um, on our land that we own. If you didn't know that we own land, we have 3.6 acres. It's off of Old Fayetteville. If you go out to the end of this road and take a right, there's a, a blank wood sign there that used to have our name on it, but we were told by the town that we couldn't have it there. So it's still ours, but we don't have a sign. Uh, on top of that $15,000, we got a designated gift um, from an individual for $35,000 uh, that we also put on that. So we paid down $50,000 on our land. We only owe like $140,000 on that, which is awesome because its value is considerably more than that. And we added $36,000 to our savings uh, in 2018. Um, so before I begin, I just want to let you guys know that none of what we do here would be possible without your giving. And as much as we don't make a big deal about it, meaning we don't pass a plate, we do that intentionally. Um, we do appreciate everybody's individual sacrifices going into making church happen. Um, and in that $23,000 that we gave away, uh, we got to bless Lept to Church. Let's not forget about them continuing to lift them up in prayer Daniel and Samantha actually have my first monthly meeting with Daniel this Tuesday. Excited to just kind of reconnect and see what's going on in Little River, South Carolina. Okay, so thank you for that. If this is your first Sunday and that was just like, thanks. Appreciate that information. Um, Let's get into the word. Uh, Before we begin, I just want to pray. I acknowledge um, in prayer that... In spite of me, God gets to speak through his word. The reason why we preach the word, the reason why we encourage people to read the word is because the word is the most powerful thing that we can have access to. And let's just ask God to do what he can do with his word that we cannot. Uh, So dearly, Father, we just thank you this morning that you have not left us here unaware of who you are, what you mean to do, and what you are doing right now. Lord, you have showed us yourself through your word. As we look at the Gospels this morning. As we look at words that you spoke to your disciples. Lord, I pray that you would influence us as your children. That you would influence those that aren't even your children. That they would see your heart. That they would understand the love and joy and peace that you give to those who choose to surrender all to you. So, Lord, we open our hearts and minds to what you have to say. 
And Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit to do what we do not have the capacity to do, which is change. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, For those that like to be prepared, we're going to be in Mark 4, uh, specifically in verses 21 through 25, though I'm going to talk about the first 21 verses in an overview type of of way. But before we get there, um, this phrase was said lots of times, and this is kind of the phrase that kind of jumped out to me, um, this acknowledgement that it says, take heed how you listen. For those husbands that are in the room, it's important that we learn how to listen. I won't ask for an amen. I hear it already. It's just rumbling in the room. But it's important how we listen. I, I don't know about you. I'm not really good with directions. And if my wife is standing near me and you're telling me where we're going, I'm not listening. Because she's there and she's better at those things. So I just I nod and you think I'm listening to the directions. And as soon as we walk away from you, I ask her, did you, did you listen to that? I've gotten really smart of actually just plugging it into my phone because, I, you know, it's just better for someone to tell me exactly what to do. So the address is the best thing that you can give me. Um, I now have told my secret. I'm going to have to start listening to everyone that gives me directions intently. But it's important not only that we hear what is spoken, that we, but because we can sit there and listen to our wife's words and hear every single one of them. What's important is that we understand what those words are trying to communicate to us. So I got a few questions for you as we get started. What is something that you have tried hard to master? Anyone like really skilled and, you know, you've just taken up pottery and you, you know, you don't want to go to the old electric. You want to like hand crank that spinner and you're just, you're, you're trying your best to master. Maybe it's an instrument. Every time, you know, I, I have, I own a guitar. It is, I have owned this guitar. It's older than my children since 1995. It is seasoned but not very well played. Um, Mostly seasoned because it's 20-some years old, not because of the use or, you know, skill that has... I figure at some point it'll serve a purpose. Right now it just holds up space in one of my closets. So, or something that you have worked hard to understand. Uh, Some of this could be like riding a bike. Uh, We have a nine-year-old who we have diligently tried to work on riding a bike. And if you've take it for granted if you've ridden a bike for a long time. It's very difficult and nerve-wracking to learn how to ride a bike for the first time. Uh, It could be learning language. We just spent a week in Mexico, and I just realized that none of the three or four years that I spent in high school and one in college of Spanish did me much good. Passing a test on verbs and how things are written down does not mean that I understand the language. I've not mastered it, but most of the uh, missionaries that we worked with down there, they had to go to language school. They are immersive, meaning they go in and there's absolutely no English and they have to learn the language. Or, or for those that just love math or don't love math, mastering fractions. I still don't get that. Like, which is bigger? I mean, I literally the other day was looking for a socket that was 9 sixteenths, and I'm like, is that bigger? Anyway, 
It was that. It was actually in Greg's garage. And I'm like, I couldn't find a 916. What's close to that? Anyway, anyway, not mastered that one on. But the list goes on and on. We were actually created to know. And primarily to know our creator. From the moment we took our first bath, Breath. We have been learning and mastering new things from learning how, when we're really small, how we get fed or how we get changed. They're not consciously thinking like I'm hungry, but their bodies internally tell them, what can I do to make sure that my mom and dad understand that I need something to eat or I need to be changed or learning how to walk or eat on your own? See, Jesus came to the earth so that we could know him in a more significant way. In the one-year Bible, we've spent the last two months reading Matthew, and now we're partly through Mark. The Gospels are the most excellent picture of who Jesus, our Savior, indeed is. His teachings are all so that we would know him as Lord and Savior, to understand that. Today, we're going to spend a little bit of time on these confusing stories called parables. And we know that they're confusing because even his disciples (laughs) communicated after the fact, because if you're smart, you wait until everybody else leaves, and then you ask questions. That parables are a way that God, through Jesus, taught about him and his kingdom. And a parable, if it's a word that you're not familiar with, is Literally, just a simple story to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. Jesus hid the truth about him in parables. And in Mark that we're going to go through, we're actually going to do two of them. But there's actually four different parables. There's the parable of the sower, which we're going to talk about a little bit. Uh, The parable of the light under the basket, which we're actually going to read. Uh, The parable of the seed growing. I don't know about you, master gardeners. I'm I, like I've not. I've just proven over and over again that I've not mastered anything because I can't keep anything alive in my house that grows, other than children. I have done a great job with that. I have a 16 year old. I'll collect my trophy later. 15 year old still alive and well. Look at that. Nine year old. She did learn how to ride her bike. Ooh, I'm just a great parent. Come get lessons afterwards. I'm kidding. I mean, you can, but they won't. Might not be that helpful. So, in reading this week, this part, this text, I don't know about um, for if you're new here. We 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 do some series. I like series. I like the idea of the you know really honing in on a topic and hitting a topic over and over again for a few weeks. When we're not doing series, we do what we call walking in the word, which literally is just. Translation is we want everyone to read the one year Bible. Now, whether you do that or not is inconsequential. We, we, we don't care that you do that specific plan, but we want you to be in the Word because if you're in the Word, the Word will change your life, which we're going to talk about today specifically. And so what I do when we're not doing a series is I want to encourage you that God speaks in and through the words that you read during the week. And so what we're reading in the one year Bible during these times that we're doing walking in the word is literally what you read that week. I'm going to preach on something that Sunday. And so on Tuesday, I think it was, it might have been Monday, I was reading in uh, Mark 4 and I, I got to this section of 21 through 20. 
um, five, and it just like, there it is. Like, that's typically how it happens. Somebody asked me this morning, Alan, she was like, how do you, you know, it's like, honestly, it's, I'm reading and there's something in there that's stuck out. Most of the time, it literally, it, it almost preaches itself, to be honest with you. There's something in it, and I'm like, there it is. This is what God wants me to share this morning, and Tuesday that happened with these four verses. <laughs> And then I committed to those four verses, and then I realized that it wasn't as simple as I hoped it would be. And I spent the next three or four days up until the weekend going, God, what are you wanting to do through this? Because it's not as simple as it seems. And so what I'd like to do over the next 15 to 20 minutes is unpack four verses. I'm going to give you a little connection into that, because I don't think you can really understand 24 through 25. Like if I just read the four verses and uh, or five, I'm not that great with math. I haven't mastered that. Um, if I just read those four to five verses, it won't have the impact that it will have if we explain partly what happened before that. And so just to give you an idea, Jesus has arrived on the scene. He has done several miraculous things that have over and over again pointed to him as something more than a good moral teacher. There's something about him. There's authority that he preached with. There's miraculous things that he and only he could do. And people in the droves are going looking for him in the thousand, like the Jesus fed 5,000, which happens, I think that might have been last night, uh, when he fed 5,000, that's because 5,000 men, including women and children, were following him around to hear what he had to say. What got me, I was sitting in my bed last night reading um, the section. And it, so, I don't know if you remember this story, and this is for free. This has nothing to do with it, I'm pretty, but it just tickled me last night. And I think the Word of God can do that to us sometimes. But So Jesus did some miraculous stuff. He actually fed the 5,000, and he puts his disciples in the boat and sends them across the water. And he goes and does whatever he goes and does. And later on tonight, he's going to, hey, I don't, you know, I don't have another boat and I don't want to walk around. I'm just going to, I'm just going to walk on water. <laughs> I think about that sometimes. <laughs> it doesn't help. But Jesus literally, in his word, he said he did, he did not intend to interact with his disciples. He just intended to get a shortcut in. But it says that. He was like, he did not intend to like this part of it so he's just like you know just chilling through the water and they see him and they're like <laughs> and he's like man they'll never get over this if i don't remedy it so that he you know goes and gets in the boat but it just tickled me that he didn't he had no intention of like going and getting the boat he was just like i'm just going to get a shortcut in so sometimes things happen along the way and so all of these things have happened and it leads up to um, chapter 4, and it talks about the parable of the sower. And the parable of the sower is actually in three other Gospels. So uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke <laughs> Luke um, are what they call the subnoctic Gospels, which a lot of those three... So reading the one-year Bible, you're going to read all four Gospels in a row towards the beginning of the year, and you're going to hear a lot of the same stories. And that just means that these guys were contemporaries looking at the same thing, but they wrote it through their perspective and these were stories that were written down in all three of those. I'm actually going to use a, a, a verse uh, in one of the other ones as we get through it. But 
Jesus is teaching, and his teaching is always for people to bring understanding. And there's actually this verse which I spent some time on because I'm like, this frustrates me. I don't know if you read stuff like this and you're like, why would Jesus do that? Anybody else? It's okay. Like, he's not going to get you. But, you know, he tells this story of the parable of the sower, and he's like, some throw, we, we, this person is throwing seed out, and some falls along the road, and it gets just picked up, and nothing even happens with it, and, and some falls on the rocky soil, and, you know, it springs up, but, you know, the sun scorches it because there's no roots, and it dies almost immediately, and, and some falls on ground where there's thorns, and it starts to grow, and it looks hopeful, in its growth, but the thorns go around it and chokes the life out of it. It says the deceitfulness of the world and riches rob it. And when temptation comes, when persecution comes, it withers and dies. So three of the four in the story, and of course, some falls on good soil and it grows and has a yield of 30 to 60 fold, meaning this one seed dies in the ground, grows and produces fruit. And so the disciples, just like I said a little bit ago, they're sitting there going, yeah, yeah, Jesus. Preach it, Jesus. It's my man right there. That's Jesus. He's doing it. And they're sitting there nodding their head, acting like they got the truth nugget. It just got deposited. And they're going to save it for later. And as soon as everybody leaves, they're like, Jesus, hey, what, what you talking about? <laughs> he was like, I, I don't really understand what you were saying and so Jesus brings understanding to those. So leading up to what I was going to say, uh, this isn't going to be on the screen. I apologize for that. It says, and when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God for uh, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that and this is what kind of. That Like, why, Jesus? So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And I'm like, Jesus, don't you want everyone to see and hear and experience and turn and repent? And the truth is... It's taken out of Isaiah. The truth is, is what's going on there isn't necessarily that he doesn't want them to. These are people who will never, regardless of how many times the truth is talked, taught clearly to them, won't turn, won't surrender, won't submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's not like, hey, I'm going to hide these things, which we're going to see through, I think it's verse 22. His intent isn't for it to be hidden. And so then he explains what these are. He brings understanding what these four seeds were in and to his disciples. And then we get to verse 21 through 25. In verse 21, it says, and he said to them, I mean, he's talking about seeds and then he goes to lambs. It's like, okay, you're mixing metaphors, Jesus. And so he said to them, the lamp is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or a bushel. Is it hidden? Or under a bed? 
and not on a stand where it is clearly useful for what it is intended to do, which was to bring light to the surroundings. And then verse 22, it says, And nothing is hidden except that is except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to life. Light. And, you know, not that this doesn't mean this, but for the longest time when I'm reading that, I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah, 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 that, mm hmm. That time at night when you're on your computer. <laughs> okay, no one there. Uh, that, that moment where you think or do something that you shouldn't do, that uh, yesterday, okay, let me, let, let's confess, driving. I don't know why they have decided to shut the bridge down for a whole weekend. Every other weekend. And I don't know why I decided to go into town other than my son needed to be picked up. So I'm a good father. And so I'm sitting in line and I'm a good person because I love Jesus. And you know what? I get in the right hand lane because I know that lane is where I want to go. And for all of you people who decide, I don't want to wait in that line. I want to zoom on past and then try to get in later. Shame on you. You may have met me yesterday because I didn't let in three people. One almost hit me. And I'm like, nah, not happening. I've been in this lane from the beginning. I've been here for 40 minutes. And how long have you been here? I'm not saying I'm not, you know, this is confession. And so I'm thinking like nothing. And I'm just thinking. Like, usually, I have the mercy of God, because I have a reach sticker on the back. of My truck has certain stickers on it. So, like, it's pretty obvious if you ever see me again, that was that truck. And so, normally, I'm like, yeah, I know you didn't wait, but, like, Lord bless you. Go ahead. Go ahead. But yesterday, I just didn't feel like it. But in that moment, I'm thinking, man, somebody's going to be like, mm, yeah, that pastor. I was actually on the way to the hospital. And I just needed to get in because, like, I wasn't sure the person in the pastor's seat was going to die. And he didn't let me in. <laughs> the Lord, like, if, I, I, I just couldn't help it. I, I don't know. But, like, so I looked at verses like that. Nothing is hidden which is made manifest. Now, most of you don't confess your sins to, like, 80 people. I mean, if you do, it's kind of weird. Um, I don't know why I do it. Other than I want you to know from the beginning that I'm just like you. Trying to live my life to and surrender to Jesus. And it is not any easier for someone who is professionally, loosely, a pastor. Us here are just like you, trying to surrender every day to that reality. And so I've always looked at those texts like, oh, you know, oh, it's going to get known. What's in the darkness is going to be brought to the light, which that's partly, but that's not what he's saying here. What, he, what they're talking about now. So you just had this parable and you're getting ready to have two more parables after this. And it's talking about the light of Christ, which Jesus is referred to over and over again, being the light of the world. And, and what he's talking about here is the truth and reality of who Jesus is, is meant to be displayed, not hidden. It is meant to be seen and understood, which he's saying here. It says, for nothing is hidden except which is made manifest. 
The truth is, the reason why we have this in front of us is so that we can know Jesus. Period. This is so we can know and understand clearly who he is. And so what it's saying here is this truth will not remain hidden, even though in the moment, because realize this, the people that Jesus was speaking to didn't have this to go, let's go see if Jesus was correct. I'm going to read. Okay, he did say that. They didn't have the word. Literally, the one time that it came out of his mouth, at least in that moment, when he's saying, be weary, which he's getting ready to say, that you listen because in that moment, there was no other opportunity for you to hear and understand. They didn't have Mark 4. <laughs> they just had Jesus speaking. In verse 23, it says, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Because He's saying that. Because they're hearing it for the first time. I don't know how many times you've read Mark 4, and I don't know how many. Well, it's actually Mark 4, I think Matthew 5, and another one in Luke. I can't remember where it's at. I don't know how many times you've read this. I mean, those words don't change because we're hearing it over and over again. He's still saying, if you have ears, listen. Verse 24. It says, and he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. Okay. Let's just, let's just knock this out. Health, wealth, and prosperity. Okay, you're like, to the measure I give, God gives me back, right? True. As long as you don't quantify that as financial gain. I'm going to give $100 because he's going to give it in five, tenfold. So he's going to give me back. I'm outside, there's somebody's wallet that he left there because God put it there for me. Because I gave some money in here and there's cash in there and look what God just did. No, get the wallet, look at the ID and return it with all of the stuff in it. Because one day you're going to lose your wallet. And so he's saying, pay attention because the measure you use it, the measure that you let your light shine, because this is what this is talking about, to the measure that you use it, will be, it'll be measured to you. To the measure that you're allowing God to influence you so much so that it changes everything that you do. So that you don't consistently not let people in line. I won't ever do that again. Well, I can't say that. I normally don't do that. I'm normally very gracious and like pray that they'll find repentance later. <clears throat> but, but to the measure that you allow God to influence your day in, day out lives in everything. See, God never intended to be a Christianity to be another thing in our life. Like school and work and other. Christianity, this, this life of following Jesus was meant to invade every single aspect so that everything we do, every interaction that we have, so that we think about that when we're having bad days, we still have to shine His light 
to others. When you wake up with a headache in the morning and you don't feel like being nice to people. We think it is for God's grace that we have breath in our lungs. And when we interact with others, we're letting the light of Jesus shine in and through us. See, I didn't do that. The last two weeks ago, we were on a mission trip. And I, I've, I've discovered that I'm never, ever, ever going into a trampoline park again. I'm not, it's ridiculous. Like I've talked to one of my buddies who works for the fire department. They go there all the time, don't they? It's dangerous. Like, I'm not trying to take business away from the unnamed place here in town, but it's dangerous. I didn't go there. I was in Mexico. And no, it wasn't because it was in Mexico. It was because I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have been on a trampoline. And so I'm... <clears throat> doing my duty as a missionary on the field to to care for this one kid that I've been given responsibility to in this trampoline park. Well, he weighs like 60 pounds, and he's like this tall, and he's fast as lightning, and i got to keep up with him. I should have just sat on the side and, like, watched him. There he is, on the hard ground where, you know, you're less likely to get injured. But now I'm like, okay, okay, get a little socks and we'll just hop around because this is fun. And it was up until the moment that I rolled my ankle. And I don't know if you've rolled your ankle out there. It's still black and blue now. It's like a week and a half old. I went to the orthopedic guy. I got x-rays just to make sure. But when it happened, it makes a noise when your cartilage. I mean, it, it just has this noise. If it's happened to you, you know what it, it's like. And it made that noise, and the pain, it just overwhelmed my body so much so that, like, I flushed the color that I had. And there's some, there's some pictures that are cycling out there on the web. Thank you, Troy Danko and Deacon Miller. And, and I was in absolute pain. I mean, like, I, and I don't know about you, but, like, when I'm in pain, I don't want people to talk to me. I don't want people to be near me. I don't want people to touch me. And I'm on the ground and all these other, I mean, we have like 14 people, 12 from our church and two other people that went with us and all these other, you know, the people that we're working with down there. And I'm just on the ground writhing and painting people out of the goodness of their heart are trying to help me. My father-in-law was one of them. Bless his heart. He's like, he wanted like prayer for healing right there. And I wasn't ready for prayer for healing. I was, I was into prayer for leave me alone right now. And for the life of me, like, I knew what he was trying to do. Like, in my heart, I'm like, just let him pray. And I'm just like, leave me alone. <laughs> just walk away. Just walk away. Just give, just give me a minute. Because I've been there. It's happened to me, I think, three times in the last 12 months. I know it, it will go away and it will get better. But in the moment, all I can think about is that I don't want to, I've already embarrassed myself. I'm writhing in pain, holding my ankle. Like, <laughs> I don't want to add vomiting to that. Because somebody would have got a slow-mo on that and it would have broke the internet. But in those moments, to the measure, see, it's, God is meant to invade every point of our life regardless how we felt. And of course, I did in a little bit, he did came over, come over and pray for me and I was very grateful for that because my mind was clear. The pain had mostly gone away, and I wanted that. But the, the reality is, is what we do with that 
how often we use that thing. To the measure that we use it, it is returned. It's the same as a foreign language. Three years of high school, one year of college, nothing. The only thing I remember, forgive me, is cuss words. I mean, don't tell me that you didn't take Spanish when you are in high school and that was the first thing that you asked. And for whatever reason, those are the things that are still in my brain, which aren't very appropriate for mission trips. So I didn't use any of my foreign language. If you're new here, welcome. I would like to say it might be different, but it's not. Or for those that have elementary school or middle schoolers who have now in math that you've for real lost, and they're asking for help, and you're going back in the book reading how it... The truth is, when you were there using it day in, day out, you understood how to do long division, how to divide fractions, how to do all these other things, how to do these equations, and don't even get me started with proofs and geometry. But the truth is, none of those things are very useful for us when we don't use them, so they get forgotten. And it's the same thing with the things of God. We do not want spiritual... What's the word? Atrophy. That's the word. We don't, the same way if you sat down and never moved again, your muscles will cease to be as useful as they are right now, but... Spiritually, it is the same way. We lose it. And here, here's something that's crazy. And you, you may go like, it's so hard. I don't know what to do. And if, if you want just to have your mind blown for these good works, these light candle things that you're supposed to be doing, the light of the world. If you've not read this before, I'm probably going to ruin your excuse for not doing some of the things that you should be doing. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus. Ephesians 2.10. It says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And you're like, okay, yeah, it's true. That's what we're created. But look at this. This is what will blow your mind. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk into them. So all of these things that he's asking us to do, he's laid the groundwork. He's literally set you up. I don't remember, you know, if anybody played T-ball. It's probably one of the easiest things to actually not strike out at. Because it's right there in front of you. I swung so hard when I before this that I fell on the ground. So I appreciated T-ball where the ball is right there. And this is what it is. He's literally giving it for you. It's like softball. Like, here you go. And this is what God is doing in and through us. He's giving us opportunity for us to walk into that. Verse 25. This will maybe ruin your day too. Verse 25, it says, For the one who has, and this is not has, but this is talking about like what you have, but this is talking about spiritual things. For the one who has more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. <laughs> let me, let me, I like Luke 8, which is one of its parallel um, verses, 8, 18. I like the wording of it a little better. It says, take here how you hear, for the one who has more will be given, 
and from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has, it will be taken away. See, this is spoken to a people that knew God. This was spoken to a people that had the lampstand of God still in the tabernacle. They're still operating to the world. They're, they're, the Jews were there to show the world who God was. This is spoken to those people. He says, even what you think you have will be taken away. Because you don't really have it. They missed the whole point of what was going on. This is also followed by the parable of the sower, which one of those four, in my opinion, was truly a Christian. And they're having a good time in there. Only one of those four produced fruit, which isn't the sermon that I'm doing today, so we'll just leave that for another day. But only one of those... One of them, you're like, yeah, of course. It fell on the road. It got picked up before anything happened. Two of them had growth, but no fruit. And the marker for his children are fruit. And that fruit is expressed in us by being the light for God. So it's not just important to know about Jesus. And here's the danger. And to be completely honest, one of the primary reasons why I planted a church, why I pastor a church, is because I feel that God has called me to those who think that they know Jesus. Because I was a person who thought I knew Jesus for the first 18 years of my life, went to church, did this, you know, I did all the stuff of Sunday school, um, youth group, uh, got baptized, sprinkled, remember I was Presbyterian, and had absolutely no clue who, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And so what I want to do, and the reason why we share these things, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. The whole reason why the word is given to us is so that we can know him. And so here here's some statements that are going to lead into questions and then we're going to pray and, and close. Jesus is the light of the world. You are not intended to be the light. You are just the light carrier. You're, you're carrying. So it's not you displaying, look how great I am. And it's because of Jesus. You're carrying the light of the Savior of the world to others. What you're doing is not for your glory. It is for His. And He is the light of our world. The, the question is, what are you doing with that light? Is, is your light just attendance? And you're like, I, I'm doing the deal. I'm here at church. And you know that $230,000 of this church? God, I gave some of it to them. Put it in that toolbox back there. I feel good about myself. And that's not to knock anybody that put anything in that box. That's not to do that. But if your light is just measured by your attendance on Sunday morning, you have missed the point. If your light is measured by how much that you put in that box, you've missed 
the point. Your light has always been measured to you so that you can demonstrate it to those that aren't in this room. To the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. So if you feel like I'm lacking in it, it's okay. Start. To the measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And then you'll get more and you can measure, you can give some more out and then God will give you some more. Like I'm telling you, faith gives faith. You, you begin to just go, God, I'm going to trust you just like finances. You're like, I, I don't know how this is going to work. Like we, we have not figured it out. And you, you start being obedient to taking control and you get a little like, hey, we can do this. It's a long, hard nine weeks. Let me just tell you. But if you're sick of being where you are financially, it will be the shortest time in your life because it will change the rest of you. Because that that nine weeks, you're going to get confronted with things that you actually have to do. And it's the same thing with the word. We're confronted with things that we have to do to be used and measured by God. So here's our last question. As we close, what does verse 25, and I'll read it again, look like in your life right now? For the one who has... More will be given. For the one who has not even what he has or thinks he has will be taken away. Is your life measured by what God is doing in and through you? Or is it measured by what is departing from you? What's going away? The joy and peace and all these things. These fruits of the Spirit that God wants us to operate in. And so here's, here's, the, here's the beauty of this. Some people can hear what I'm saying and feel beat up and battered and abused and be like, I can never measure up truth. You cannot ever measure up to the standard that God has called you to. You're like, I'm at one of those churches. Just wait. The truth is, every single one of us could never measure up. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus knew that. That He sent His Son to do what you could not do to live the life that you were required to live. He did it for you. He went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin on the cross willingly so that you can believe in Him and have life, have joy, have peace, have hope for you. And so if that is you this morning, call out to a God who is the light of the world, who brings His light into us and radically transforms us. So as we go into our last song, deal with what's going on. Don't just sit there like, oh, okay, I feel a little bad, but I don't want to deal with it. Deal with it. Start a conversation. We're going to have people up here for prayer. If you just feel like, man, I just need somebody to pray for me, come get prayer. Don't stay in that same place when you don't have to. Let's pray. Dearly Father, it is by your grace and mercy that we have breath in our lungs. And Lord, right now, it is compelling that you call us to be the light of the world, that you've called us to shine your light in and around those 
that we have contact with. And we just acknowledge that that cannot, will not happen without you. And so, Lord, we ask right now in Jesus' name that you would restore in us a desire to surrender. A desire to give up this fight that we have with ourselves to have, to conquer, to consume. And that we would turn that around to a willingness to surrender to our Creator who created us for a life that is abundant. And so, Lord, if, if there's anyone in this room who's not living that abundant life, they're not experiencing that, Lord, I pray that you right now use your Holy Spirit to point out in them the things that you are asking them to surrender. And Lord, we thank you for your grace and mercy. We thank you that in this moment, we have an opportunity, regardless of what yesterday looked at like, what last week looked like, we have an opportunity right now to surrender to you and receive grace and mercy in excess of what we deserve. So, Lord, I pray that you do in us what we are unable to do for ourselves. To give us life. And so, Lord, right now, we just pray as we go in to worship that you would just open our eyes, that you would open our hearts, that we would experience you in profound ways. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.